Welcome to Quick Takes with Kevin, a weekly podcast about leadership, life, and ministry with Kevin Ezo, president of the North American Mission Board. Each week, Kevin will be focusing on how pastors can keep their souls healthy in the midst of the demands and challenges of everyday life. Now, here's your host, Kevin Ezel. Hey, pastors, Kevin Ezel from the North American Mission Board. Here with just some quick takes with Kevin today with my good friend, Jeremy Morton, pastor of First Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today, man. I appreciate you, it. Kevin. Honored to be here. God bless you. Thank you. Hey, I, I've been privileged to, to know you for some time, but I want the pastors to get to know you better and more than just the guy who took over for Johnny. Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. hey, what some guys may not know is that uh, you were chaplain for a high school team that had a pretty decent quarterback. I was, Kevin. Certainly that team is not remembered for me being the chaplain. I can assure you of that. But there was this kid from Cartersville, Georgia, that was a pretty decent athlete. His name was Trevor Lawrence. And he left Cartersville to go to Clemson. He's already won a national championship. I think he'll win the Heisman next year. I think he's a future first-round pick. Trevor has a bright future. And I'll say this, Trevor's not only special because of what he, did it, what he does on the field, Kevin, He's the real deal. I believe he has a heart for, for God. And I was able to see that as an insider when he was in high school. Wait, wait. Well, also, uh, what guys may not know, Jeremy, you, you take the time to disciple guys one-on-one like every pastor should. And uh, if I were to ask you who your favorite team is, I know you're from Georgia, so that has to be sure. some of But sure. it's not to root for guys that you've actually invested in, like you've invested in Trevor and, and, and right. uh, other player at a nearby school that's pretty decent in Alabama. That's right. That's right. So being a Georgia guy, of course, I pull for the Georgia teams. I love the Bulldogs. I love Clemson because of Trevor. There's also a young man that's very special to me. His name is Miller Forrestal, and he's a tight end at the University of Alabama. He's got one more year. Miller has the opportunity to start this year, and I had the privilege when he was in high school just a few years ago to disciple him. It was a wonderful experience that I'll always treasure, and hopefully Miller has the opportunity to get drafted next year and play in the NFL. Here's what's cool about Miller. This past year, he won the FCA award at all of Alabama. He was picked by his peers as the outstanding Christian leader on his team, and so to be honest with you, I'm more proud of that than I am what Miller could do on the field, and I saw it uh, begin to happen in his life in high school. That's incredible. Yep. Uh, thank you for your example in doing that. And uh, oh. hey, today I'd like to to uh, talk through a topic that's in chapter thirty-eight of Lance Witt's book. We've been going through replenish, and it's talking about show up and speak up, and and the you know tendency to often to avoid hard, hard conversations or mm-hmm. uh, not not willing to confront things and knowing. You know, the old Kenny Rogers song, knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you ask, you don't know when to speak up, when not to, and you want to say certain things. What is it in in your mind, in your heart, that helps you discern when to speak up and when not to? Well, hopefully, Kevin, we are guarding our mouths so that we don't sin, which is frequently mentioned in Psalms and in Proverbs. I think whenever we're confronting something, we should first confront our own heart. Oh, God, help there to be no sin in my own life. Help me to not come across as harsh or critical or mean or unkind, right? We should courageously address the issue, but we should not do so in a way that isn't Christ-like. I think we need the wisdom of God in this, so I'm always praying, God, give me wisdom. Give me the right tone whenever I'm addressing something that I know could be a bit heated or could be difficult. But I also think that we should be clear 
and we should get to the point. I think if we delay hard conversations, we're only making it harder for ourselves and for the person that has been potentially offensive to the ministry and whatever we're confronting you know, a church member, a church staff person, a friend, whatever. I think if we don't confront it, what we're doing is we're pushing an unnecessary war further down the street, which is terrible. So. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, and there, there's two different types. There's sometimes you need to make, have those private confrontations one-on-one. Then yes. some things happen uh, in society that you just, you need to confront in a general way. Absolutely. And, Going through, you're from Georgia originally, and and there was recently a uh, a shooting in South Georgia that's extreme, uh, very unfortunate and just uncalled. And then you know in Minnesota, Mr. Floyd. And uh, what is it as a pastor? How do you uh, make that call on? Because I mean, there's something that you could speak up about every absolutely. And so you have to be discerning on when to, when not to, and and how do you make that call? Well, Kevin, I don't think that the news media should drive the narrative of our messages, our preaching on a weekly basis. But I think to ignore the masses being drawn to an issue that has our attention, something that's captured the attention of the public, to not address that is to lose your prophetic mantle, the the privilege to be the leader and to speak into the lives of people. So again, this comes from being spirit-filled. We need the wisdom of God. I believe that all of our preaching should be biblical. It should be rich and theological. But if it's not personal, if it's not a specific application to the people that are watching online or yeah. in the room with us, then then we've missed the mark. So I certainly don't want to be a pastor that's overly aggressive about preaching the current news cycle, but nor do I want to ignore it. If it's on Main Street in my community, then it needs to be addressed biblically from the pulpit in our church. And I want to do that well if God will help me. Right. Hey, what is it, Jeremy, you do with your staff uh, to help create a sense of team where they feel safe to express and share concerns openly? The only way to really hold each other accountable is to, sure. to do it. That's so, a great question, Kevin. I don't know that I do it well. I want God to help me do it well. I want our whole staff to know they're loved. I try to regularly say to each staff member across the board, hey, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Please let me know if I can do anything for you. I, I want to keep a, a, a clear line of communication in permanent existence. I want it to be there perpetually. I want the staff to know that I'm here as their teammate. We do some really unique things together as a group. We have weekly prayer for 30 minutes, which in Woodstock can be difficult because our staff is spread out over the church and not just the campus, but the community. We have staff that works in our community. But every week we have a specific time when we come together and it's not led by me every week. It's led by a different person, but we'll have a brief devotional and then we'll get on our knees together and we pray together. And that sweet time of just staff prayer, right? Jesus told us that his father's house was to be a house of prayer. Well, if it's not a staff of prayer, how can it be a church of prayer? So we pray together. We have monthly fellowship time, a a meal together where there's no agenda except friendship. Friendship is one of the real intentional words that we try to use, and we want it to be in existence on the staff. We want our church to be a church of family and friends, and we want our staff environment to feel the same way. So that only happens through intentional outreach among ourselves to one another. So prayer and fellowship is crucial for us. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much for for sharing about this topic and just for being the example you are. And I want you to know, man, I, I, I've 
prayed for you during the first year of transition at Woodstock. You've just done an incredible job. But my, my prayer is to just guard your life and uh, don't do anything stupid that would disqualify you. Because thank God, God's like so many things to you and so many people watching now. And uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Incredible confidence. The best is yet to be. I pray by God's grace. And Kevin, I mean this sincerely. Anytime the Lord brings my name to your mind, I mean this. You'll never waste a prayer on me. I'm so grateful to have a man like you praying for me. Thank you, Kevin. That means so much. Thanks, brother. Love you. Love you too. Thanks for joining us for Quick Takes with Kevin. Each week, Kevin will visit with pastors and leaders as they talk about the challenges they face and the lessons they've learned in balancing faith, family, and ministry. Thank you for being with us.